Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Pray messy. Pray messy. We are talking about pray first here at Journey Church, and it is about a commitment to no longer only pray reactively. When something bad happens in my life, that's when I'm going to go to God. No, no. This year we're saying it's not going to be what do I you do, do next. It's what do I do first. We're going to pray proactively. We're not going to wait till our life is burning down to have a relationship with God. We're going to pray for him to bless, not just for him to rescue and to save. And we're going to teach you how to pray. And by the way, if you're a first-time guest, get used to hearing this. I'm going to say this probably all year long. If you're a first-time guest thinking, hey, prayer, that seems a little advanced for me. I'm still trying to figure out if God is real. Prayer is like 201, 301, 401. Listen, if you're trying to figure out God is real, don't listen to me. If you want to hear God is real, talk to him yourself. Pray. Speak to him. I don't have to stand in the gap. God will speak to you. God will show himself to you. God will talk to you about his love and his person. If you want to know if God's real, ask him. Are you real? I'm here. I need to know because I got this whole life thing going on. So if you're real, give me a sign. And at that moment, I don't know what will happen, but I do know that God loves to reveal himself to people. And so I encourage you to go on this prayer journey as well. And what I'm going to teach you today is something I wish somebody would have taught me about prayer years ago. I learned it in my 30s and I went 20 years, 20 years missing this very biblical truth, this foundational truth to prayer. And I hope it encourages you. I hope it excites you. You're going to find it in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verses 23 to 24. It'll be behind me on the screen so you can read it with me. King David said, search me. Somebody say, search me. Now, when you research me, I need you to think of x-rays. I need you to think of blood tests. What King David is saying is he's saying, I need you to tell me if there is anything in me that I don't know is in me that is harming me. And he's praying and he's asking God through prayer to search him out because I got money problems and I'm starting to think the problem's me. I got relationship problems. I'm starting to think the problem's me. I got mental health problems. I'm starting to think the problem's me. I got some things going on. And so search me if there's anything in me, God. And look what he says. And know my heart. What's in me? Tell me what's in me. I told you x-ray, blood test. Look what he says. Test me and know my anxiety. Where's my anxiety coming from? Lord, help me. Show me where this coming from. My childhood. Is it the news that I watch? Speak to me. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm about to say something that's going to mess a lot of y'all up. It's going to mess up your theology. You're going to call me a heretic. You're going to think I don't know how to preach the Bible. That I don't even know the Bible. But before you judge me, give me 25 minutes to finish this message. And then at the end, you can tell me whether or not I preach the Bible, whether or not it's true. But here's my first point. Prayer can mess you up. Oof. Yes, it sure can. Prayer can mess you up. I had my suspicions about that all along. But then about a year ago, I read something from a very famous pastor, theologian, and author who wrote a sentence, and it shocked me. I had to put the book down, not because of its audacity, but because of its honesty. And he wrote in this one sentence, he said, it is often easier on our faith not to pray. He didn't say it was better. No self-respecting Christian or pastor would tell you that. It's not true. 
He said, easier. I'm just trying to tell you, here's what prayer does is it examines and it exposes your heart. And I wish somebody would have told me that, that prayer is good, but prayer has some side effects. Tell you what, I was watching this commercial for this life-saving drug that was on TV and it looked like this drug could really help people. And then right when the commercial was almost over, this other voice got on and spoke faster than a Texas auctioneer on fire. He said this, he said, different voice, he said, and the most common side effects are dry mouth, unpleasant taste on the tongue, drowsiness or difficulty waking up in the morning, headache, dizziness, cold-like symptoms such as a runny nose or cough, ongoing grogginess the next day, anxiety, abnormal thoughts or behavior such as aggression, confusion, hallucinations, sleepwalking, severe depression, or suicidal thoughts. Ask your doctor if this drug's right for you. I said, nah, bro. I'll roll the dice with the disease. The disease sounds safer than the medicine. I'll just take the disease here. I'm not saying that prayer is, is like that, but I, I am saying I wish there was some things I knew that would happen when I start praying that no one ever told me about. The reason why prayer challenges us in a very specific way is because there are some things that we believe in theory that we find out we don't really believe until we put them into practice. Are you with me? It's easy to believe something if the only thing you have to do to believe it is believe it. But the moment you actually got to actually do the thing, the moment belief asks for something, that's when you find out if you believe it or not. My dad used to work as a, a camp intern in Pennsylvania at this mountain called Bear Mountain. And it was named Apley because there was some mountain, there was some bears on that mountain. And everybody knows what you're supposed to not do if you see a bear. What do you not do if you see a bear in the woods? Everybody answered the right way. Like it's universal knowledge. You don't run if you see a bear. And that's good advice. Because did you know that bear, top speed, bears can run 30 miles per hour. To give you some context, Usain Bolt, fastest man ever recorded on, on the mile per hour thing, 27 miles per hour. So unless you faster <laughs> than Usain Bolt, that bear gonna get you. You're not outrunning the bear. So they say, don't run, because if you run, the bear's going to think you're prey, and it's going to run after you. And so the best thing you do is walk or curdle up into a ball. <laughs> yeah. So I asked my dad, I said, Dad, man, you was working in that mountain. Did you ever see a bear? He goes, yeah. I was out there getting wood, and, and I saw it just came out of nowhere. I said, what'd you do? He said, well, everybody knows what you're supposed to do, son. And I believe it. You're not supposed to run. You're supposed to walk away quietly or lay down. I said, well, what'd you do, Dad? He goes, I'll tell you what I did. I ran. <laughs> For my life. I said, did he chase you? He said, I never looked back to find out. <laughs> I just ran. I said, but don't you believe that running is not the way to go? He goes, I thought I did. until I actually had to do it. It's one thing, let me bring it home now. You don't know how much you doubt until you start to pray. 
all of a sudden, the things you thought you believed, you could, like how many people believe God hears you when you pray? It's easy to believe until you start praying. Then you start praying and you're like, God, I know you're there. Are you there? It's kind of quiet. Oh, am I speaking to the air right now? It was easier to believe in God when you didn't pray. You didn't have to, you didn't have to face it. Then you start praying and you're like, mm, how many people believe God can heal the sick? If I were to ask you, raise a hand, seven out of 10 hands would raise. I believe God can heal the sick. Okay, come with me to the hospital. Come with me to a hospital visit. Let's go pray for that person on that respirator. Let's go pray for that lady coming out of her chemo treatment. Lay hands on her. Declare God's healing over life. Then tell me then how much you believe God can heal the sick. I'm not saying that he can't. I believe he can. I'm saying in those moments when you have to pray, that's when you realize how much you wonder or believe if prayer actually works. I'll say it another way, or I'll give you another point here. I'll tell you prayer will mess you up. You don't know how messed up you are until you start to pray. You think you're the best person in the world until you start praying. Because what prayer does is prayer gets under the hood and it shows you things about yourself you didn't know were there that you're not ready to deal with. You know why we watch TV and sports and get on social media? People will tell you it's to disconnect from the world. Like when we're stressed out, people will tell you it's to disconnect from the world. But that's not true. Because if we're trying to disconnect to the world, then why are we connecting to it? The real reason why we do all of that when we get stressed out is not because we're trying to disconnect from the world, but we're trying to distract from ourselves. And getting involved in other people's lives frees us up to escape our own. So we put it on so we don't have to think about it. But when you pray, guess what? No distractions. It's just you and the Lord. He's been like, I'm glad that you're talking to me. I got some things I want to show you. <laughs> That's why when we pray, we have the weirdest thoughts. How many people think the weirdest things when like, you were a normal person until you started praying. <laughs> now all of a sudden the weirdest thoughts are popping up in your mind. You're thinking about that person who tried you two days ago. You're like, I thought this one didn't even bother me. Now I'm all upset at them. And what's going on? You think about that, that college professor that failed you five years ago because you didn't put your name in the right, you didn't spell your name right or something like that. And you're going all offended at them. Listen, that's in the Bible. You don't know how messed you up you are until you start to pray. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Why? Why would the person remember someone who offended them when they're praying for God? If someone's at the altar, they're praying for God to forgive them. Catch it. While they're praying for God to forgive them, God's like, oh, absolutely. And who do you need to forgive? I'll do it. And who do you need to forgive? I mean, if we're going to be talking about forgiveness, let's talk about it. Let's all get up in there. This is why, and I hate to be really, really real, but this is why, guys, sometimes in the middle of prayer, you will be brought back in your imagination to something you did with a girl in the senior year of high school in the back of a pickup truck that you, you didn't even think about. You, you didn't even, like the last time you thought about that, and you're like, why is this coming to me in prayer? The devil's a liar. You're trying to tempt me right now in prayer. Devil, get on behind me, Satan. Hey, are you ready for this? Is that the devil? You've been asking God to get it out of you. So the only way God can get it out is for it to come out. And he's showing you 
that you're still not over the thing that you said that you was over. And before this mindset leads you into infidelity or leads you into cheating on your wife or leads you back into an addiction to pornography, guys, like, let's work on this before it gets serious. This is still in your heart. Every husband in the room is so tight right now. They're just like, that's not true, babe. I never did anything. How does he know? How about this? You don't know how far you are until you pray. What I mean by far, I mean how far you are in relationship with God. Me and my wife are super close. We should be. She's my wife. We can talk about anything for any amount of time, even the things she's not interested in. We can talk about sports for two hours, and she's not even saying anything that makes sense. Because she doesn't like sports. But because she loves me, she'll entertain me. We'll watch football. She'll be like, oh, wow, that's really good. It's- the quarterback threw it. And which one's the receiver again? Just good. The guy who caught the, received it. The guy who received it. Good. Okay, yeah. That's really great. That's awesome. And we'll just talk. And honestly, shouldn't have to say much. You know, some of my favorite things to do is if I can make it home to a four o'clock game, if the Jets are playing a four o'clock game and I can watch it somehow, she'll sit on the couch with me and she'll fall asleep while the game is on. And we have so much fun. <laughs> I don't know why. It's so much fun to me because when you really know somebody, you don't even have to talk to communicate. Just being there is communicating. You're just enjoying being with them, right? That's how you know you're close. When you know you're close, when you got somebody that you don't got to say nothing to and you have a good time. But you ever be with somebody that you don't really know that well and try to have a conversation? How weird it is. How awkward it is. You ever talk to your Uber driver? (laughs) Oh, man, it's so weird. First off, I'm not ready. Like, do we even have to talk? All the information, you have it. You know where I'm going. Nothing else needs to be said. But no, man, sometimes I'll get behind, you know, I'll send the passenger and the guy driving will be like, how's your day going? And and I'm like, we're doing this? We're doing this now? Okay. uh, It's good, man. Day's going good. Day's going real good. And I'm thinking in my mind, do I ask him how his day's going? Because if I ask how his day's going, he might answer and then it turns into a whole conversation. Do I really want to have a conversation right now? Well, I am a pastor, so it's kind of my job to meet people and love people. But if he finds out I'm a pastor, it's going to turn into a counseling session. I don't know. Talking to a stranger is weird, man. It's awkward. You don't even know what to say. And prayer can sometimes make you feel like you're talking to a stranger. You get there and you don't know what to say and it's awkward. And you're like, so how's your day going? I'm sorry. Do you have days? I heard somewhere you're eternal, so you don't have days. Are you in a good mood? I don't know. My name is JJ. Just don't know what to say. And then it makes you second guess and wonder, how close are we really? And then when prayer makes you feel like a mess, you don't want to pray no more. When prayer makes you feel like a mess, you feel like you don't belong. And, and, and that maybe you should stop praying or maybe you should stop coming to church or never go to church in the first place. I think that's why a lot of people don't go to church at all. They feel like a mess, but I want to encourage you today. I came with a message that should uplift your souls. And this is the message. The message is that God, it's not afraid or intimidated or deterred or discouraged by your mess. <laughs> that God would rather you come messy than not come at all. He'd rather you pray messy than not pray at all. Whatever condition you find yourself in, I don't even know if I really believe it. Come. 
Come talk with your doubt. Talk with your lack of faith. Just come pray messy. And to prove it to you, I'm going to give you an example of the messiest human beings in the entire world. I'm going to show you right now. Mark chapter 10, verse 14 through 15. Jesus said to them, let the little children come to me. If there's any kids in this service, I'm sorry. You're a mess. <laughs> you are. As we speak, you got applesauce on your mouth right now. Baba dripping down from your lip right now. You got milk stains on your pants right now. Your shoes are untied. Your shirt's backwards, I promise. I guarantee it right now. You're mess, little kids, man. But look at Jesus. Let him come and don't stop him. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like them. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Oh my goodness, the implications of this verse, that Jesus is in a room with children. Now, children in the Bible were not viewed as they are in American society today. In American society today, we love kids. We adore kids. They're all over YouTube. They're cute. Back in biblical times, kids were not viewed that way. They were viewed as, as, as nuisances. They were viewed as not even human. This was pre-Mr. Rogers, okay? They wasn't viewed as people. They were just viewed as soon-to-be people. They had zero rights and all of this thing. And so, but, 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 so you got to imagine, you got all these little people around Jesus trying to talk to Jesus and the disciples are thinking, what could you possibly say, little kid, that is going to catch his interest? What are you possibly going to say, little kid, that's going to make Jesus answer you in some special way? Nothing. So get out of here, kid. Let the adults come talk to Jesus. And Jesus, I could just, I pick my mind, I picture Jesus just saying, I picture Peter reaching out because he was always the one who opened his mouth. I can picture Peter reaching out to grab one of them little kids. Get back here, kid. I can picture Jesus be like, stop it. You leave little Johnny here. Me and Johnny were having a conversation. Go ahead, Johnny. What were you saying? I like booms. I like booms. What's a boom? I like, you know, the bulls and the, and the, the I like boom. I call it boom. I like booms. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Love you too, little Johnny. And that's okay, because that's my first point. Listen, kids often say things that don't make sense. Did you know that? Have you ever spoken to a kid? This is how Jesus wants us to pray. This is how he says it's okay to pray. Kids often, and if you haven't spoken to a kid in a while, I brought a video to remind you how kids talk. One second. What did you think about the ride? It was great. And apparently, I've never been on live television before, but apparently sometimes I don't watch the sh I don't watch the news because I'm a kid and apparently every time, apparently Grandpa just gives me the remote after we watch the Powerball. It's the Powerball. <laughs> Tell me about the ride. What did you think about the ride? Well, it was great. Why? Because apparently you're spinning around and apparently every time you get dizzy, yeah. So all you do is get dizzy. Is it fun? Yeah. And I've never, ever been on live television. I never, ever be on live television. Are you excited? Yeah, and apparently I only went down the super slide. When I went down the wall, I was scared half to death. I just freak out. Okay, okay. What I need is... Apparently... That kid put... Three words together that made sense. <laughs> Everything else was all over the place. 
Apparently, I've never been on live television before. Nobody asked you. <laughs> Question had nothing to do with live television. Man, we ask you about the ride, man. And about that ride, not the super slide. Who's asking you about the super slide? And nobody cares about Grandpa's Powerball. And, and he got so frustrated in the beginning, he almost cursed. Did you hear him? You just catch it. He said, I don't really watch this channel. Uh, see it? He looked at his grandpa real quick, like, uh. Yeah, and I just look at that little kid, and I think that's how we pray sometimes. I'll tell you, we start having conversations with God. We're like, yeah, Lord, I love you. Then we start looking at the phone like he looked at the mic. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, well, Lord, yeah. Well, apparently. <laughs> apparently, Lord, apparently, you know, uh, she don't like me anymore. Apparently. Um, but apparently, she's the problem, not me, apparently. <laughs> and apparently, this job isn't going so good, God. Uh, apparently. And uh, what time is it? Yeah, but uh, lost my job, though. Now I'm scared half to death, and uh, I wonder what the numbers are on the Powerball. <laughs> okay, but now, but now, but now, hear this. But now, hear this. Catch this. Did you see the way the anchor leaned in, and the grandpa behind him, hand behind the back, leaning in, everybody smiling? That video was going viral. That kid showed up on Ellen. That kid became famous. Noah Ray became famous. Look him up. He became famous. Everybody loved him. Everybody leaned in because nobody looked at the little kid and said, "Come on, man." Put it together. Make some sense. We understood where he was in life. We leaned in. We enjoyed it because it's who he was. Oh, I hope this sets you free. God enjoys your wobbly, disconnected, nonsensical, powerball, scared half to death, apparently, prayers because he is more concerned with being with you than what you say. He's more concerned with the connection than the conversation. He just loves to be with you. And when I talk to my kids when they were little, they wouldn't put sentences together. I just ever that get That's awesome, bro. That's great. That's awesome. I just love that we're here. I'm telling you, God just loves being with you. You don't got to put together. You think those kids around Jesus were asking philosophical questions? You think those kids that he, no way. Uh-uh. Some of them were like, Jesus, have you seen the moose poop? I don't think they had mooses back then, but... <laughs> And the camels and the this, and Jesus was just there. I'm like, yeah, man, talk to me. I love hanging out with you. Let me encourage you. Listen, if you're afraid, you're not saying the right thing. Be encouraged. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. You're spending time with the Father. You're spending time with the Father. And if you feel like your prayers are not making sense, that's okay. He's leaning in going, "Uh uh-huh, and he'll coach you. He'll help you get better. Okay, no, we say please before we ask. Please. And he'll coach you, and you'll get better. Speaking of asking for things, one thing I love about kids, kids are selfish, aren't they? Now, prayer will expose your selfishness, by the way, because you will not realize how much you think about yourself until you start praying and the only person you pray for is yourself. Then you start realizing, I didn't know I was this self-centered. I didn't know I was selfish. And so, but you know what I love about kids? They don't let their selfishness freeze them. They are boldly selfish. Huh? Huh? A couple years ago, when we were in our other building, I was talking to a lady in the lobby. She was crying. Her husband had just left her. She's going through some, some crazy health things. She is bawling in the lobby. Just, oh, shut I'm like, yeah, you know, tell me, you know, I'm praying with you. And before I could pray with her, I heard my jacket tug. I'm like, I look down. It's one of my kids. He's like, Dad. I'm like, bro, the lady. She's crying, man. She got something going on here. Can't you tell? She's like, Dad. I'm like, what? It, man, I'm so sorry. I just, my son, give me a second. Dad, I'm hungry. 
I'm like, bro, the lady cried. I know, but mom's in the car. We're all ready to go. We're waiting for you. Lady is in tears, and now and now the lady looks at him and actually starts to crack up. The lady dies laughing. I'm laughing because he was young, and what I'm trying to say is, because we knew he was a kid, we, we leaned into it. We're like, that's funny. If that's where he is, that's cute. I'm not saying it's okay to be selfish. What I'm saying is, if that's all, if that's where you're at in your walk with God, be selfish with Jesus. Get in a relationship. Tell him about all your problems. You don't want to give any praise. You don't want to pray for nobody else. If you're selfish with him, he'll work on the selfishness over time. Just be with you. Just be with him. And when you ask, by the way, don't just ask little. You better ask big because there's one thing I love about kids. Kids believe anything is possible. Kids believe anything is possible. I was preaching in Gainesville before Mark had the church, Pastor David. It was, we were just visiting. And I remember we were doing an outreach. And I said, how many people are going to get saved at this outreach? We were there to help the church do it. And some guy raised his hand. He said, 10 people. And this woman raised her hand over in the corner. She said, 50 people. I said, hey, man, praise God. Children's church was leaving. And I saw one of the kids raise his hand. So I ran over to the edge of the stage with the microphone. I said, go ahead. Tell everybody how many people you think is going to be saved in this outreach. He said, one million. A million? There probably weren't even a million people who lived in Gainesville at that time. But he didn't know. He didn't care. In his mind, a million was the biggest number he could think of. And God's the biggest person he could think of. Can I ask you a question that's going to challenge you, but you need to answer it? When did your prayers become practical? When did your prayers become possible? You ought to pray a prayer that is so... If if you can do what you're praying for without God, stop praying. Your prayers should be so big, so important. Believe like a little kid. My staff challenged me. I got one staff member because I've been praying for this building, praying for it. I believe it. You know, we're going to be able to purchase it. So she told me, she goes, I'm praying too. Say amen. I said, she goes, well, I'm praying somebody's going to buy it for us and give it to us. I said, well, it's a lot of money. How about we bring it down? Let's pray for a banker, (laughs) a lender, a down payment. She goes, that's my prayer. And it just reminds me, as she's talking to me, I got to convict it because I'm thinking, that's not possible. When When did God exist in the realm of possible? When did I limit him to that world? I can't do it without you, God. Yeah, no duh. That's what I love about kids. Kids are helpless. Kids are helpless. Can't do it. Put it on the screen. Kids are helpless. They can't brush their teeth by themselves. They can't comb their hair by themselves. They can't wipe their butts by themselves. They can't reach for the milk by themselves. Not without help. Not without help. I know how many times we feel helpless when it comes to life, helpless when it comes to our situations, helpless when it comes to change, helpless when it comes to finances, helpless when it comes to health, helpless when it comes to marriage, helpless when it comes to kids. Can I tell you something about helplessness? Prayer's prerequisite is helplessness. In order to pray, you have to get to a place in your life where you feel helpless. Blind Bartimaeus, the blind dude that nobody could help, who Jesus healed, the woman with the issue of blood who was bleeding for 12 years, and the Bible explicitly puts in there she spent all her money on doctors who could not help her. 
Lazarus, who was in the tomb for four days, what did all three of those people have in common? Here it is. There was nothing they could do about it. When you get to a stage in your life when you realize there is nothing you can do about the situation, that is where prayer begins. Oh, your helplessness does not disqualify you. It's how you, start, it's how you get in the door. If there was a membership to the prayer room, the bouncer at the door would be like, tell me why you feel so helpless. And you would have to explain to that bouncer why there's nothing you can do about your situation and why you have to get into the throne room because the only one who can change this is the King of Kings. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, Paul said this. He has this thorn. We don't know what it is. It could be a health issue. It could be a financial issue. He said, I was given the gift. Ooh, somebody say the gift. Of a handicap. The gift of a handicap. To keep me in constant touch with my limit. Nobody would ever call a wheelchair a gift. Insulin, because you're diabetic, a, a gift. I mean, technically those things help you get around and save your life, but the fact that you have to take it, the, a, a gift, is a gift because it kept me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down, but what he in fact did was push me to my knees. Whew. Stop preaching, Paul. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to take it away. Three times, in fact, I prayed, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. Paul, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, Paul said, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations and stride with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Are you ready for a revelation, a secret? And I told you I was going to share a secret. Here's a secret that no, no real Christian wants you to know, but, or, or, but most Christians don't want you to know, but this is a real one, and you need to know it. And I'm going to tell it to you, and, and, and if, if your heart is open, it'll change forever the way you serve God. I promise you, I'm not bigging this up more than it is. This is big. Here it is. The strongest Christians, strong. You probably look at me and think I'm strong. But the strongest Christians are the ones who realized they're the weakest. And, and, and no matter how many times I say that, no matter how many different languages I say it in, no matter how many times I reword it, you just, you'll never understand it until you live it. Can I be, can I be embarrassingly vulnerable with you? If you've been going to the church for any amount of time, you know the answer is yes. <laughs> Very, I don't know why you keep coming back. Y'all know your pastor's messed up by now, but you keep coming. Maybe that's why you come. But before every end of the third song, every Sunday, I don't know if you see me or not, but you probably will every Sunday from here on out. Every third Sunday, every third song, I'm back here in this corner. This is my little square. Liz prays for me in the front row at the beginning of the third song. She's praying, God help him. <laughs> and then I come back here and I get on my knees in the middle of the third song somewhere towards the end and I begin to pray church I wish I could say I was praying for you I so that'd be the spiritual thing 
to say at this moment. Now, I will tell you, I pray for you all week. Monday through Saturday, I'm praying for you. Sunday morning, I'm praying for you. All the time. If you ever wonder if somebody's praying for you, your pastor and his wife, we are praying for you every day. We love you so much. But at this moment, I'm not praying for you. My prayer in this moment, every Sunday is, I cannot do this. People ask me, do you get scared when you preach? You've been doing it forever. You get scared every time. Because I know who I am. I'm not, I don't think I got secret sin in my life. I just, I know I'm not a good speaker. I know I'm not funny. I know I'm not, I don't have the words that can convince people. I feel weak. I feel tired. Especially 12 o'clock, third service. I'm doing it two times now. I don't know how in the heck I'm going to do it a third time, Lord. I don't have it in me. And so at that point, I go, and you know what, Lord? Since I don't have it in me, I'm going to need you to be in me. Since I can't say it, since I can't share it, I'm going to need you to say it. I'm going to need you to share it because I can't do it because I got the anxiety and I got the weakness and I wrestle with the panic. I can't do it. So you're going to have to do it, God. And then I wish I had a couple more minutes, but then, the, then I hear the whoever's playing crack, do the little crash thing. Do the little, that's my cue. <laughs> that's my, by that point, I'm ready. Amen, ready or not. <laughs> Lord, you got to do it. This is a crash. Lord, you got to do it. And then, okay, I'm not done praying, but okay, Lord. And then I come out here, and at this point, there's no more me. It's all him, because I know I don't have it in me. And let me tell you something. I told my wife two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I told her, babe, I think I found a new way to see my weakness. I'm telling you, I doubt myself. I have very little self-confidence. It might not look like that at this moment, but this is not me. I promise you this is not me. When people meet me outside of this environment, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> First thing they say, you look taller on the screen. Thank you. <laughs> Second thing I think they want to say, but they don't have the courage to say it is, you're much more charismatic up there than you are down here. In person, I'm just like, hey, yeah, I love you. God bless you. <laughs> I told my wife two weeks ago, I said, babe, I think I found a new way to see my, love, my lack of self-confidence. It's a gift. I said, what do you mean it's a gift? I said, because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't pray like that. But because I have that, I pray like that. Because I realize I'm helpless to do it by myself. When it comes to prayer, we're not supposed to feel like we can do it. We're not supposed to feel like we have the words. We're not supposed to feel like we know what to say. We're not supposed to feel like we have the strength. We're not supposed to feel like we deserve to be in there. Uh-uh. We're supposed to feel like we can't. Like there's no way. Like I'm helpless without them. And it's that helplessness that bursts through the doors. Because if there's one thing I love about kids, my last point, kids are real. And God wants what's real. I was praying with uh, Justice and Zane for our family Devo the other day. And Zane, we told Zane to pray. Zane didn't want to pray. I said, but just pray. He goes, I'm afraid I'm not going to do it good. I said, just pray, man. It's going to be good. He goes, all right. But after I pray, you got to grade me. So you got to give me a grade. I said, a grade? He goes, yeah, you got to give me a grade when I finish praying. I said, all right, bro, go. He said, dear Jesus. I said, stop, A+. plus."
Jesus. A plus. You know who you're talking to? You know why you're talking to him? Because he died on the cross to make eternity possible for you and for everyone you love? You know who loves you? You know who's listening? You know who's seated at the right hand of the Father? A plus. You know whose grace gets you into the throne room? A plus. Can you say the name of Jesus? A plus. Because that's the only key you need to pray. After that, everything else is butter. After that, everything else is a bonus. But if you can cry out, Jesus, your prayer will be heard. And your prayer can move mountains. And your prayer after that just Jesus just Jesus sometimes when I don't know how to pray when I don't know what to say all I say is Jesus 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 I don't have the words but Jesus Jesus is something about the name of Jesus there's something about the name of Jesus my heart is whole at the name of Jesus my mind quiet and is calm at the name of Jesus just Jesus pray for those who feel messy today. You're a Christian, but you don't feel like you have it all together. I want you to pray right now. And all you got to do is pray, Jesus. Go ahead. I'm going to give you 20 seconds to call out to the name of Jesus. Test this for yourself. You wonder if God is real? Call him out by name. And you'll find out in this very moment if God is real or not. Just Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I'm worried about my job, Jesus. Uh, my wife's not looking at me the same way, Jesus. My son is far from, from God, living in another state. I don't know what to do, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. There he is. He's ministering to you. He's speaking to you. He's receiving your prayer. Listen, if you're in this room today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Here is your opportunity to come back home. If you feel messy and you're far from God and you're ready to start a new life, when I say three all over this building, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand online. If you're watching, I want you to raise your hand on three. If you need Jesus in your life and you're ready to make that commitment either today for the first time or the first time in a long time, all over this building, if that's you on three, lift your right hand high to Jesus. If that's you, if you need him, one, two, all over this building, one, two, three. Shoot your right hand high to God right now this moment. Come on, hands all over the room. I see him all over the room. Praise the living God, whose name is Jesus. If you raise your hand, even if you didn't, the entire church and even online, would you pray this prayer out loud with me? Father God, I'm a mess. But I heard today, I can come messy. So I come with all my mess, with all my sin, 
with all my bad choices and all my doubt and all my fear. Receive me, Jesus. Forgive me for my past. I commit to you my future. And I receive your love like a little child. Come on, say it with faith, like a little child, like a little child. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Will you give it up for those at all of our campuses? Give it up for all those who make the decision. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.